This episode of the Off Course Podcast is sponsored by Titleist. The TSR offers an impressive selection across the entire spectrum of skill and speed. Each head is customized for a certain player in mind and solves for issues like too much spin, not enough consistency, and not enough speed. Take some time to learn about the different driver and fairway wood options that could propel your long game forward at Titleist.com. THP Radio on the Hackers Paradise Podcast Network, your number one source for all things golf. Subscribe on iTunes to never miss an episode. Hello, you golfing legends, and welcome back to another episode of the original Off Course. I'm your host, Dan Edwards, and joining me this week is my good friend, Mr. James Miles. He's a staff writer on THP. He also likes to golf about a billion times a year. Either way, we're glad to have him on the show. What's up, James? I have been known to golf. That's that. that yeah, a little bit. How many? What's the round count at right now for the year? Oh, everybody's going to get mad at me whenever I say it because I'm going to say it's lower than where I'd like it to. But I think I'm up to like 77 or something like that right now. Um, I'm way behind. Yeah. I'm way. I'm way behind pace, and part of that's you know the moving the. This coaching season was insane, so we're going to move on from that. And But now I've got a new home and a new golf course, and other than Mondays on maintenance days, which makes me mad when they're closed, it's pretty good. It's the most spoiled thing ever when your golf course is closed and you're mad about it. <laughs> How um, dare you make it look nice, damn it. So we had, the, <laughs> we had the 4th of July holiday this week, and they closed. They kept it open Monday, Tuesday, and closed it yesterday on Wednesday. Oh. Is yeah, yesterday was Wednesday. Can we talk about something that has nothing to do with golf real quick? You Space cannot time put, continuum. You cannot put a holiday on a Tuesday, man. You cannot make me work Monday, <laughs> then put a holiday on a Tuesday. Dude, I didn't even know it was Thursday today. I woke hey. up and, and with the realization that it was Thursday, I'm like, first of all, I still got a lot to do this week. Second of all, it's almost the weekend again. It's so confusing. Oh, and it's even worse when you have kids because it throws them off like it exponentially too like we have our routines that go on here and and that falling on a tuesday like we did our family thing on the weekend and got together with people and then it's like well but the fourth of july is tuesday so yeah it's, it's been chaos but i agree i agree with that rant that's a good rant <laughs> thanks man we still <laughs> managed to uh succeed with taco tuesday which i don't know um i i feel like you do quite a bit of cooking grilling whatever around your I, house i am the cook but um, I've never really been the one to be relied on. I grill, uh, and that's like the extent of my value, I think, here, <laughs> uh, which she makes good use of, by the way. But um, she had a tough day during her school year, and I decided, all right, I'll just I'll whip something up, and we happen to have chicken, so I made tacos. and And I feel like she's really leveraged this reality that i can make tacos because what at least once a week she's like yo you want to make tacos and i'm like i know what you want you want a night off <laughs> you let you, you let your card show that's that's yeah. like you, you showed your hand yeah well, i'll no. tell you what man my issue with cooking and this is so far off golf and i love it's it okay. for now is i've never really been particularly good at it which is why she lets me grill because i'm actually okay at grilling and, and okay at things that i grill regularly let's be clear uh, but i've never really been particularly good about cooking and when i do it's usually something no one else likes in the house so it's like i've never had that confidence to go so now when she says you make tacos i'm like 
hell yeah, I can make some tacos. I'm good at that. <laughs> you're in there. You're in there flipping knives and showing off oh, and all yeah, the culinary buddy. skills. Yeah. Yeah. No, Meanwhile, no. my son's like, I'll just have peanut butter crackers. Thanks, Dad. That's exactly right. No matter what I make and the girls get excited about it, that's Oliver. He's like, can I just have a peanut butter jelly? What? Dude? <laughs> so you, you posted a picture recently of your son. Uh, was he sitting out the back of the house just uh, gazing <laughs> we were, into the sunset or what? So we were in, uh, that was that was on Tuesday. We were in the driveway because we're about probably two miles away from one of the big lakes here in town. And they do the big fireworks show. So we mm. could kind of see up over the crest. And a lot of people in our neighborhood spent way too much money on fireworks. So we didn't have to spend any. And we just kind of set out in the driveway. And I look over and he's sitting there in his 80 year old cross leg with his binoculars in his lap, just staring off into the distance. It's, it's hilarious. That moment you're like, is my, is my son more grown up than I am? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, so your kids are still playing, right? Like they're, they're doing a lot of stuff around the golf course. Yeah, we've been going out. I've actually taken them out once a week now outside of camp. Camp was supposed to be this week, next week, and then they're going to have a tournament. But we got rained out yesterday with a really big thunderstorm. Um, So they were pretty bummed about that. But they're they're still thriving on it. And that's what when they figured out that this is fixing to end, that's they've been on me about let's go to the range. Let's go putt. And it's wild now from a matter of five weeks or whatever from them having no golf knowledge other than Ollie swinging the little tykes clubs at some point. But like to watch him go on a putting green now. And like Maggie runs out, grabs her putter, goes out there amongst everybody else. Cause she's never met a stranger, drops a ball and just drains a five foot putt. <laughs> and does this little, does this little fist pump hop thing? Like, yeah. And she's yeah. actually standing correctly and holding the putter correctly. And I'm like, okay, all right, we can, we can work with this. D one offers. Here we come. <laughs> so I, I found that interesting when Cal had his first camp is like, he had the fundamental, idea of golf down which was like grab club and swing it basically (laughs) so then he goes to this camp at the age of i don't know is six maybe and he comes out like swinging like a golfer i'm like whatever you guys did i don't know if you put something in the water this week while we were there at camp they figure it out so fast man yep these little uh little signs of success so i had uh cal and the wife out for golf on the fourth which was awesome. I'll admit I snuck in an early 18. So I was already kind of like in my element. Uh, we got out again and played another 18, which Cal is desperate to play 18. He, nine is never enough for the little man. That's awesome. A, a seven and a half year old. Uh, but both him and my wife are just striping the ball. Like he's got birdie putts from his uh, junior tees. She's got birdie putts. I'm like, listen man i gotta go to the range i can't i can't let this gap close so quickly i like i spend all my time golfing they can't come out once of every couple weeks and beat me there's no way it is it but you know like on on cal the point with cal it is funny because they're so quick to grasp things and i mean we put we put the twins in this year because we just moved you know that this is the first camp we've been a member of the club for a couple months and i'm like well let's put them all in and five is the earliest you can go so it's five they're five-year-old twins but the course is so stinking good like the other last week the uh the assistant pro actually got the head pro put all three of my kids with the assistant pro out on the course so they they kind of shotgun them out across and the course is closed and they get to go play holes and he had he had all three of the miles kids which is a, a hefty 
hefty assignment but hopefully a bottle of liquor too (laughs) but it's it's cool talking to him because he's they've all got the same idea and he's like man he's like they're five he's like all we want is them to keep their left arm straight to stand right and just swing it and if they're having fun they're having fun and that's where i'm hooked with it and then he proceeds to tell me about charlotte hitting this greenside bunker shot with a two-foot lip and he said i just told her hit about three inches behind the ball and swing hard. And she popped it up and she hit it to like two feet, which she told, she told me, you know, Hey dad, yeah, I got it out of the sand and in the air. That's all she told me. And like Isaac's telling me, he's like, no man, she hit like this really pretty bunker shot. I'm like, Holy crap, Charlotte, you have to like, give me the details here. I got to live vicariously already. Man, That's crazy. (laughs) The, the things they do, I'll tell you what I've made, you know, plenty of birdies already this year, but Cal and Laura both had, my wife Laura both had good birdie looks. She actually made one. Uh, she's a, first of all, she's a lot more fun to make a birdie than I am. She's got like a dance and a, a very course friendly dance for the record, <laughs> like a little gyration. And um, like he is so emotionally ready to make his first birdie. And again, this is from Junior T's. Like it PGA still counts. I don't care. Still it counts. counts. So we've got this uh, this whole setup here where I got to write down his pars on balls, and he keeps them in his room and. First birdie is probably going to go on the wall, whatever. So uh, I, I don't, I don't understand why it's so much more fun for me to watch them make birdies because I need that in my life. I I need that raw emotion to go back into me making birdies. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I need. Well, soon there will be raw emotion when you make birdies. Yeah, ideally, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, th- we need to. Uh, I feel like every time you come on now, we just gush about family. Which is cool, and, and I hope everyone out there is having a good time with their family this year, uh, young or old, wife, kids, whatever, uh, I guess husband, maybe. I don't know how many uh, lady listeners we have, but uh, it, it's fun to see the progression, the excitement. It's, it's a great thing to do as a family, uh, and, and part of that is uh, just seeing them get better. But I want to transition that into a discussion that I know you've been dancing around in the thp forum a little bit and it's about not just playing all the time it's about getting better at golf and and, Mm -hmm. uh getting to that potential you believe you have for yourself and not just showing little signs of it so lay the groundwork of that for me buddy because i know you've always been like uh hey let's tee off at 6 a.m and we'll see how far we get by 6 p.m kind of thing well, I mean, as long as you and I have known each other, the conversation has always come up about, you know, if you would practice a little bit or if you would do this and it's it's great. That's cool. But I've never had any urge to because I could just go play, you know, 36, 54 holes, depending on the day and just enjoy playing because golf was always that kind of escape with it all. And then I got into coaching and the coaching part of it brings the practice part in for other people, but not for me. Uh, but now as I'm starting to, you know, change phases in life and move from there, I kind of have that. Well, I now have a place with fast greens, a real short game area and an actual range that I can use at my disposal. I've always had launch monitor available for me with with our reviewing job and everything that goes with it. I've got an indoor set up now. I have by just being athletic. I mean, I've gotten down to, you know, I'm a four. I'm a four, four and a half, somewhere like that right now. But what could I do if I would actually practice and, and apply good practice efforts? Because I think I fell into the mistake, not mistake, but the misnomer that a lot of people do when they get into golf is they think that practice is going out and bashing 100 golf balls. And it doesn't have to be that. 
Like I, I can go hit, I can go hit wedges for 10 minutes and just work on my 56 that day and two simple thoughts and not rush through it. And that's a good practice session. It's understanding that, that five minutes on the putting green on a mirror is a good practice session. You don't have to sit out there and bash a thousand golf balls. So that's kind of where I'm at with it right now. It's I I'm, I'm developing a short game. We'll see if it travels next week, but it's, it's been fun to get more control over things. And and so it's, 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 it's a good journey. I think, I hope. Is there a piece of the game you're most focused on right now? Short game, because I've always been one that when I'm in a groove, it's really good, but I, I have the ability to typically keep the ball pretty in play and my irons are good enough to get around the green, but I, I miss opportunities in, in those little scoring distances. Like it's the difference between hitting a shot on the green at 30 feet versus hitting a shot on the green at 15. Um, that's where I'm at. Like, I don't expect to make a ton more birdies from that, but it just gives you better looks and better opportunities. And it's, and part of that goes into my, my working with the decade system. And I've adopted that and I'm back into that and, and thinking my way around the course a little bit better. So everything, even my practice is becoming a little more methodical, which has, has really toned everything down for me. Like I get on the course now and I fall into this little groove like even my pace where i'm walking and everything else to it because i'm just it it's it's a little bit of a different confidence other than hey i can hit a seven iron 185 yards you know yeah well a lot of people would say that's too far actually that's that's an interesting question uh maybe something we get into another time i I keep hearing that comment like oh you don't want it to go that far i'm like wait a minute what i didn't know there were thresholds on clubs now i mean i've Uh, made change i've made changes because of that yeah so i kind of yeah it's a really interesting thought, uh, the idea that you you hit to a certain number, but I guess the, the the diminishing value in your bag is like as you close into a wedge, you want that gap to tighten a little bit, and if it's yep. if it's that far with only a few clubs to get to a, a wedge or even to a hundred yards, it, it can be a bit of a challenge. Um, the the working on the game is such an interesting thing, right? And and it's funny how from my perspective going and doing it by myself is incredibly rewarding and it's a very personal thing to do Mm -hmm. however i always walk away more satisfied when i'm practicing near around someone else that i know and and i think that's a really weird thing and it's not like i'm using them to provide feedback to me or tell me where such and such is or take a video or whatever else it's it's almost that like there's a certain level of camaraderie that goes into golf and because practice is so isolating (laughs) you know i feel like there's almost i'm trying to get this out right i just i just feel like when you have someone to practice with you it's almost like it becomes more valuable you know what i mean yeah no i and i'm 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 very much especially around, well, I'll, I'll specify around golf. I'm very much a people person. And that's part of why, like for several years in, in the coaching, you know, I, whenever I only had a couple of kids, I was out there practicing with them consistently. And, and it, and it helped find that kind of, I don't know, balance. I don't know if balance is the right word for it, but that's why I've moved to a lot of like, I have to have something and it sounds dumb, but I always begged my kids like, if you're going to like, give me 20 minutes putting, put headphones in. And I'm that guy now, like I'll put 
I'll put earbuds in and I'll putt for 15 minutes and I'll be done. And I find that way more enjoyable because I feel like there's something interacting with me while I'm working on a task. I don't know. I get what you're saying. I really do. It's just, it, it practice is such an interesting thing that I think, like I said, I think so many people just paint this broad picture of it and it can be, it can be 50 different things. Like it, it's different for everybody, but I think a lot of golfers just go out and just bash balls. So the ball bashing is interesting. And and I think that for the most part, the average golfer would do well to take a lesson first, then bash balls, as opposed to bash balls. And to have a task. Play. Yes. Yeah. The isolating certain things about their swing that they, they need to work on. And there, there are certainly certain parts of my swing where if I'm at the range and I'm not about to play, I'm focused on those very specific things that I've pulled apart from my own videos. Uh, but there's like an educational piece to it. And, and every time I talk with a professional, there's something I don't see. Um, so I'm wondering, at least for those out there, I, I know there's this weird, not stigma, but almost like a stepping stone, like a, a block away from going and getting that lesson and having something to work on. But then we look at most other parts of our life and we know we have to learn something to gain something kind of thing. Uh, it, it's weird. And well, I, mean, I, I think I, the biggest, and for years with golf, we always said with lessons, okay. And people's, it was always, there's a financial deterrent. Okay. Um, that's kind of not so much a case anymore with all the different avenues that you have available. Um, I mean, I've taken a couple really good lessons online where we were doing live streaming and like the feedback, cause it was somebody that I knew and I got along with. Um, I always preach to people, you know, if you find somebody you mesh with, like just even in conversation or whatever else it, it, as an instructor, like try them for a lesson. And if you get along, cool. If you don't, but I think the biggest hang up and you and I've talked about it before is people take a lesson and we see it on THP all the time. People take a lesson and then they that day work on it and they see some gains and it's nice and they go home and sleep. And the next day they go to the course and it's an absolute Travis Chimokri. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and then they get mad. They're like, well, lessons didn't do anything. Well, and I always had to explain to kids is like, that's not how it works. You you're going to take your lesson. You're going to get these things. You're going to work on these things. That's why the, to me, the best instructors, are the ones that keep it the most simple. I'm a big Jake Hutt guy online now because he, that's his, his philosophy is, is simple, simple doses, something you can take. And it's helped me. Like even whenever I go out later and, and I work in the garage, since it's a thunderstorm day today here, like I have certain tasks I work on. Like that's that for that day, that's what I'm going to work on and I'm going to move through it. And then at the end, sure, I'll just I'll, I'll free swing some balls and just hit some stuff. But there's always something uh, with a more finite focus. I think that helps. And I think in lessons, people lose that because they think just like we say with fittings, Dan, we've talked about it forever, especially putter fittings. Right. Um, people go get fit for a putter and they're like, well, it didn't make me a better putter. Well, you're not. It's not a putting lesson. It was a putter a putter fitting. Just like if you take, <laughs> just like if you take a lesson, you have to take that to the practice screen and work on it. Yeah, it's it's an interesting paradox. So, it, it makes me think of talking through some alignment things. Like, I I don't think golfers realize how much they manipulate their swing to support their flaws. Uh, I've got a buddy who is working through some alignment issues right now. Uh, he's aligned way to the left. So oh, then I wish. 
I wish well, I could lie on a plane. Yeah, yeah, no shit. Okay. <laughs> but here's the best part. He used to he used to play this like really basic draw with his driver and a lot of his irons. And because he's aiming left, he now kind of holds off the draw. So he's now hitting down the line. Like he's into out for sure, but it's a straight ball. Mm-hmm. So when I get him lined up right now, he's hitting it straight, but more to the right. He's like, dude, it it stayed out there. I'm like, yeah, because for the last four months, you've ingrained your hands to not turn over. So you don't hook the ball uh, or pull it into the nope. left. Like, that's the one thing that I feel like people don't recognize is golf is a game. It's like a, a house of cards. If If you, you do so many little things to make, one thing work at the top and then you slowly start chipping away. I guess it's more like Jenga because you like start chipping away at the fundamentals and eventually things are just going to crumble. Yep. So like you cast to cover, you roll your hands to cover you, you come over the top to cover and all these things are caused by this one little component on the other side of it. I feel like this is like a PSA, go get a damn lesson. And it's weird. (laughs) It's not meant to be that way, but I mean, but then you like, it's true. And then you understand that if you get the lesson, they're going to help you find that root cause of the beginning, but you've got to grasp that you have all these other things that you've been doing to compensate, like you said. So as you work, that's why, that's why I, learning how to focus on a task in, in practice has been the biggest thing for me. I know if I'm working on, on alignment, if my alignment is correct and I'm ingraining that, it's going to help everything else down the line as I go. Even though right now I still have all these other things that I've been doing, the results aren't going to be as great. And, I, and that's part of where I get into, like, there's some concern for me with the affordability of launch monitors and everything that changes. Because if people don't know how to use them correctly, I mean, you know, uh, having all of that data at, at your disposal it, it will break your brain if you're going out <laughs> and watching a bunch of YouTube yeah. stuff. Cause it's like me, I can sit on mine and it tells me, you know, it, it can be a simple alignment thing or whatever else. It tells me that my path is out to end and I know my path is not out to end, but I can manipulate it based on what my hands are doing, you know? So yeah. it's, it's all these different things. And if you're not careful, you go down the rabbit hole and it gets dark and lonely. <laughs> well, everyone needs a guide. I think is the point. Yes. Uh, and it was fun listening to uh, the gentleman from golf tech and, mm-hmm. and our good buddy Koski. It was a good uh, show. So, so Nick and Chris were, were walking through like the value of isolating data uh, and supporting that. And, and I think from a digital era, we are, we are going to benefit from a lot of smart people here soon as we not only find a price point that works for everyone, but also puts the data that needs to be uh explained in a, in a digestible way yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah instead of a bunch of numbers shout out to keith who my buddy <laughs> keith who he he looks at the board and, and then looks at me and he goes is that good or bad because <laughs> 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 we're all different uh but i do want to add another component to that and it's something that uh, i was kind of kicking myself so the issue right now for me james is that my my golf course has really long heather and what comes with really long heather is my best gift, which is not hitting greens. It's actually finding golf balls. In fact, I've got a playing partner who says I could be on America's Got Talent for it because I go in looking for his and I come out finding with five. I've the witnessed problem, it. <laughs> the problem is that four of the five are brand spanking new Pro V1s or Pro V1Xs. 
And listen, I, I know what those things cost. I know the value of it. But I also have a pretty solid stock of balls at home. So uh, I, I, I'm trying to paint the picture here to say that I played this weekend um, and then I found two Pro V1X. And normally when I find the X, I give it to whomever I'm playing with because X isn't a great fit for me. I'm a high spin guy already. Uh, shout out to the guys at Titleist who keep telling me to play left dot. Shout out to <laughs> not actually manufacturing that ball. Uh, <laughs> but but I'll play I'll play Pro V1 and uh, and I've had some pretty good success. But my spins up a little bit. And traditionally, I'll be playing more like a Tour BRX or uh, a Chrome Soft, which is that lower spin, lower compression concept. I guess higher compression. Anyways. Um, I'm playing with these Pro V1X and I'm like, I'm just not quite hitting my window. And I'm laughing because I the ball hits the green and spins like crazy. And I got through about 12 holes of it the other day with the same Pro V1X and I couldn't help laugh at myself when I got on the 13. I'm like, what do you expect, man? Like, you know exactly what's yep. happening. You've, yep. been through the, you've done these videos. You've tried to coach other people on, on playing the right ball, and you're the idiot playing the $5 ball that doesn't fit you. And it's like that that aha moment where I, I know I'm punishing myself for it, <laughs> but at the same time, I love Titleist golf balls. So so that that's a really long way of saying I, I think we don't spend enough time considering playing the right golf ball. And I think the allure of finding really expensive balls, just generally speaking, the, those tour premium golf balls, is tour premium. Uh, I like it. Is I, I think I think we run. I think we run with it. Tour premium. So, <laughs> a premium a urethane golf ball, and, and you inevitably want to play it unless it has like I suck on it or a big giant line. Or my new favorite thing is. Every single manufacturer now has the triple track on it that's been pre-created by the user. Uh, just buy a damn Callaway. What the hell? Anyways, I'm going to let you talk because I feel like I keep throwing nonsense in there. But I, I really think this, if we're going to tell anyone anything today, it's going to be to play the right ball for your game. I it's 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 so overlooked. And we have long, long on THP talked about this. And and. I, you know, whenever I first got in the game, I was that way. You you know, Pro V1, you know, all these other things. So I, I find a golf ball like that and I'm going to put it into play because everything else. I think I think it's important to differentiate where you're at in golf. Um, if you're a true beginner, by all means, and go bash nitros if you're just losing a bunch of golf balls right now. But once you get to a point of even a little bit of consistency, like there's a golf ball that's going to fit you, that is going to improve your needs. If you need more distance, there is a non-urethane golf ball that can do that. That's still going to offer you the, the other things that you need because you're probably not aiming at pins anyway as you hit it into greens. As as you're, if you're a faster speed guy with a lot of spin, there are low spin options out there. I mean, Dan, you can find the left dot for like hundred and sixty dollars a dozen if you want to. <laughs> I thought it was for uh, one ball. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, and and I'm one that historically I always I always wanted more launch and I always need a little bit more spin. So for a period of time, the BXS was that ball. As my swing changed, and this is where I think a lot of people lose it. As my swing changed. And as things changed in my game, that ball no longer fit me. And I was leaving accuracy and yardage on the table based on what it what it provides and what my swing does now. So I went back through and I was refit and I found a better golf ball for what I need. 
And I think I think that that kind of gets lost. And hey, the other part of it, though, I don't blame people because golf balls are expensive. So when somebody runs a sale, uh, buy two, get one or whatever else. And that's a ball that that you kind of like and you load up on it. I get it. Like I I actually just went through that with uh, a couple friends because Thrixon did the buy two, get one. Yeah, which is a a phenomenal deal. Uh, And I, I feel like Thrixon balls are already pretty reasonably priced. So when you get that opportunity to load up, you load up. But I, I have a buddy who is uh, a little bit of a higher spin guy. He benefits from the a little bit of reduced spin. So we're going through the uh, the options, and I'm like, look, man, one of my favorite balls to play, especially in the offseason, is Q-Star Tour uh, because it's it doesn't hurt when you hit it, and uh, the spin's a little bit lower, uh, but it's still a urethane ball. You're not paying quite as much or anywhere close to as much uh, but it still performs admirably. So, mm-hmm. so he goes all in cause he's a, you know, he is him and, and buys, <laughs> you know, six dozen or whatever the number is. But then I have another friend who's an incredibly low spin player. Uh, and he goes, well, I should just buy those two. I'm like, well, slow down. <laughs> we need to buy a ball that works for you. Uh, and I think your best bet is probably more in that Z star or Z star XV line. Uh, and he, fortunately I had a few here for him to try and he landed on the Z star and the diamond. Uh, so convinced him to get in the right ball. But it, first of all, it's word of mouth. You get into a, a group and they say, Oh, this is the greatest ball ever, but you have two wildly different swings. Like one of them super flat, one of them super steep. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no reason to play the exact same golf ball. And and I think we get a little bit lost on the success of others uh, or the price point to your, to your uh, comment. Uh, but the other thing is, yeah, as soon as you find a premium golf ball that looks like it's never been hit before, you just want to play it. put it in play, man. Yeah. It's tough. And, and this is coming from a guy who's got dozens of balls sitting here that I've stopped. Well, same, filed, you know? same. But I mean, I, I mean, I just bought I bought a couple dozen of the, the Wilson triads just to try because I'm that guy. Uh, now, I, might, I can have the excuse of what the job is. Right. But. The, the, the finding the ball that works, and that was one thing that I always did, and I thought it helped my golf teams more than anybody else whenever I was coaching high school golf, is for years we were a Bridgestone team. And every player in my lineup pretty much played a different ball because okay. of what fit them. you know And, and recently we moved to Shrixon, same thing. Everyone in my lineup had a specific ball that fit their needs better. You know, whenever I have freshmen that are just starting to get into it, there were a lot of them in Q-Star Tours. As they get better over the summer, the next year, I had several of them that I moved into the diamond Mm -hmm. because of what their swing parameters are. And I think that gets lost. And and I think people don't understand that. I, I think maybe it would be more receptive if they understood just how much work even tour players do in finding the right golf ball. Yeah. Yes, they're on brands. Sure. They have a sponsor. Yes. But like there's a lot of work that goes into making sure the ball's right. And if it's not right and they can't get it right, you'll see people move. Look at John Rom. John Rom has adamantly said he left TaylorMade because of the golf ball. That's yeah, a good example. I'm not uh, trying to I, I know people <clears throat> think I hate the TP5s. I'm not saying that, but he found a better golf ball that changed everything and fit everything with Callaway. So he went to yeah. Callaway. And, and- I mean, there are there are lines that exist because of tour players, and I believe mm-hmm. that's one of the primary reasons why Chrome Soft X happened was that uh, tour players wanted more spin, a little bit less compression. And I mean, look at Diamond. Yeah, Diamond's a great example. Isn't that the uh, they call it the Brooks Kepka ball, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, and, and it's not that we have like the inside knowledge. This is just all 
the feedback that we see and and hear and that thpers would also see and hear so yeah i just kind of that that easy psa don't don't feel like you have to do it all the time but if you're playing good and you want consistent results stick with a ball and you know trust that you're making a good decision if if you don't know much about golf balls learn a little bit if if you hit a ball and it doesn't stay on the green try a ball that you read about that has more spin uh if you hit a ball and it lands pin high like i did with the (laughs) x this weekend and it spins back 30 feet then you know maybe just maybe you're not playing the right one for you (laughs) but you know that uh there i feel like this is another example where people just make it a lot harder than it needs to be, even though it's already pretty friggin' hard to play golf. If, yeah. if you if you don't play the right clubs, if you don't play, play the right ball, you're just making things harder. Yeah. And I mean, and part of that's the nature of golf though, right? With the price deterrent thing. Mm-hmm. And I get, and I get it. And I will never, I will, I, I will never fault somebody for, for just saying, well, that ball fits me, but I'm not paying that for that golf ball. Okay. I mean, you go buy your K-SIGs, and if you enjoy them, play them. It, did, I just read that, did I just read that K-SIG came out with a new model not too long oh, ago? Oh, yes, yes. It's, it. yeah. And I, I, I mean, but that didn't, the issue I have with that is what we're talking about in consistency. There's no consistency for them from release to release, from which which manufacturer, which which ball plant they're buying them from. And to me, that's an issue because you have a lot of people that are just like, well, I play the K-Stick. That's cool, but Dude. your ball is literally changing. Whereas if I play a Q-Star Tour, it may evolve release to release a little bit, but that is still at its roots, the same ball with the same parameters. That's so that's I, where I worry for people. I think that uh, the K-Stick is a phenomenal entry point. Yes. Bang for your buck. golf ball. Come on. Um, I actually... my. <laughs> I've had this. It's not a hate. Okay. It's, it's, I don't like word of mouth and how insane people get. It's, it's no different than when I moved to the US and I'm now going to piss a lot of people off. (laughs) The hardest thing to do was tolerating fans of teams like OSU fans, Ohio State fans. It took me 15 years to get over the fact that the team was more than just the fans because they are so confident and so over the top about their, and I'm not saying all settled down <laughs> out there, but it was like you, the fans were a deterrent for a long time. And I feel like when the first Casey came out and people were going nuts over it and eBay was pricing them ridiculous. I'm like, you people are insane. And, and, <laughs> and it's not that I hate the ball and it's not that I hate the principles around it, but let's not pretend it isn't what it isn't, you know? And we get to this iteration. So f- fast forward a little bit. I just kind of refused to play them. I always made a joke like, ew, gross, K-SIGs. K- and anytime I'd find one, I'd give them away, whatever. It, did, it didn't really matter. So fast forward to like two weeks ago, my kid has me hit my very first K-SIG. I'd never hit one before. And it was with a 54 degree wedge, uh, SM9 from Titles is in the bag right now, fairly... <laughs> I'm not going to say they're old grooves, but they're like a you know year old, whatever. So I hit it full swing and I look down. And I'm like, there is life on my golf ball. It's cultured <laughs> at this point. So it's like, so I go and look and this ball, like I feel like I shifted half the cover off it. It was peeling <laughs> like an orange. It was crazy. And this is from a wedge. So I'm like, wow, that must have been weird. That's just the one golf ball. 
So we go to the next weekend and I'm playing golf with another buddy who borrows my 50 degree and, and hands it back to me after hitting. And I look down and again, it's like confetti on my golf club. I'm like What what happened? He's like, what, what did I break it? I'm like, no, no, no. The club's <laughs> fine. <laughs> Your golf ball is dead though. And sure enough, it was, and I, I said to him, did you just hit a Kirkland? He goes, yeah. How'd you know? I'm like, cause I'm cleaning it off my golf club. So I do want to say one thing. There is a there's diminishing returns in just about everything that's a value price. And I think that you golfers at a certain speed and a certain skill level will find diminishing returns on the value of Kasig because it's a great urethane ball for a slower swing speed, probably less compression based golfer. But I'll tell you what, man, I, I would I would probably make any other premium ball last five times as long as one of those mm -hmm. like i can get through probably 27 to 36 before i have to scrap like a chrome soft or a, yep. a pro v and then they hit one one swing with a case again like I, I can't even play this ball anymore it's crazy so really long story but yeah go ahead no i it's and and again there's a there's a place for that like if you're going out to play in a scramble and bash balls and you know you're just going to swing for the fences all the time by all means if you are quasi new to the game and learning things and you just know that hey i can get a pretty good deal on these okay but i mean I, even especially on like the review side of things we see it so much on the forum in thp about well i need to change the shaft like everybody's automatically, I need to change the shaft and our all yours, mine, Josh, everybody, our first response is usually what ball are you hitting? I mean, cause I, I can go out right now in the garage and, and I can hit a seven iron with four different golf balls and I can give you like a 500 RPM range yeah, of these different golf balls. And I think that's lost on, on, on people. And maybe the, maybe the segment's not doing as good of a job of, of getting that across to people. I mean, once upon a time, Bridgestone was at the leading edge of it, but that was all speed based. Yeah. So as well, good as as good as that was, I feel like it it got dated and they gave up on it. But I mean, maybe maybe that's where it all comes into. And because sometimes looking at the back of these boxes, and now on on pretty much Strixon does a good job. Like on the Z's, you'll see the comparison of all the golf balls. Yeah. And, and the basic stuff, but maybe, maybe that's where it is. I don't know. It's just the golf ball is so underthought and overfought by people. Yeah. Uh, well, it's funny. You say 500, I can range it with an eight iron, you know, 1400 through a single lineup <laughs> and I've done it and I've got video on it and it's not manufactured at all. So yeah, I, I agree with you. The idea here is not really to row something actually to, no. to unleash an honest perspective. And say that, hey, I hit it. <laughs> Congrats for loving your golf ball, but it would last. I would go through a dozen around. It would be expensive for me. <laughs> um, and, and everything else would be in either the shag bag or Cal's bag. But yeah, I, I think we made our point. Uh, and there's a couple other things I wanted to talk about before we we uh, close out the show. So we're going to move on. And, and I want to know, you, you've made a bit of a change on golf shoes. And I know you've always been a bit of a... I'm not going to use the word uh, a lover of things, <laughs> but it sounds like, are you, are you in another little rabbit hole you're going down? Uh, I mean, kind of, I, I, I've been wearing a lot of Nike again, mainly because for whatever reason they fit my foot 
and I'm okay with that. And I know there's there's like some of the NXTs and the Infinities that came out. Like they, as the models change, I have got some like crazy good deals on eBay. I'm not gonna lie. And I know the shoe fits me, and I can't find tour premieres anymore. Oh, and damn. which I still, it's still the greatest golf shoe I've ever worn. Um, but so I have a shoe that I know that fits that's in all these different cool colors and I can get them in my size 14 skis for like, you know, 60, 65 bucks a pair. So I I've kind of gone that way. There's some of the newer stuff that, that, that I'm getting along with. I, I bought, I bought my first pair of Jordan golf shoes. So I'm one of, I'm one of those now. Uh-huh. Um, but they're comfortable and I like them and, and I like the way mm-hmm. they look and that's kind of where I fall more into it. I, I also, I mean, I've had some issues with some of the other the other shoes that I used to wear where like as time goes on, sometimes quality changes and things wear differently. For a while, Nikes wore really poorly for me and they wore out really bad. Now that's better. And and others may see different things, but I've got some other shoes that I typically wear that, you know, within a couple of rounds, I wore holes in the back of the shoe. And I just I, there's no reason for that with so many options. Plus, you know me, I like color. I like flash and I like fun. <laughs> well, you are pretty fun. I'll tell you that. Um, the, one of the things that's interesting, you, you you made a point about how things change over time. And and I remember, I can't remember the, the style, but I remember there was one pair of Nike shoes before Tour Premier that I thought were like the perfect shoe. And then they stopped making them. And then I switched to Adidas. Then they stopped making them. So nope. I switched to Puma. <laughs> and it's just... just irritating change one of the things that bugs me the most is being surprised by a new model and and i don't mean that uh from a visual perspective although i'm experiencing that a little bit right now but if you release the same name in your shoe the the sizing should be the same the design philosophy the width it should all be the same if it's the same name there is no good argument to say it should change i agree but it, but it does. And that's, that's frustrating. Yeah. And, and the other part of it is like, it's hard to create brand loyalty in a non brick and mortar setting. Like I can go to the store and I get it. I can try these shoes on, but I love the idea of, I'll give you an example. I'm obsessed with, or I was for last year, obsessed with Puma alpha cats. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, I went and tried the uh, articulates and the um, elevates on because I'm like Puma can do no wrong right now. They're back to being my good graces after the the sad death of Biofusion. Oh, but so good. <laughs> but then I tried the other shoes on, and there's no way, there's absolutely no way it's the same fit. No chance. The ten five and the Alpha Cats fits totally different than an eleven. Like if if anything bigger than the eleven. In the elevates and it's like that's a concern for me because i love to to like randomly on a sunday night after playing golf just buy shoes yeah <laughs> i love to, to deal on yeah. yeah and the idea that i'm afraid of dealing with that uh that shipping back thing is it's a bummer man because i feel like i miss out on it a little bit but i am back into in a new obsession it is um it is their uh, articulate shoe. I love it. I'm very fond of it. Uh, I'm looking at a second pair. I, I see you griefing me on THP about getting the blue ones. Um, you, you like blue. It's fine. <laughs> I'm, it is a fair assessment to say that I like blue. But the padding's there. Uh, 
I didn't find the Elevate to be as, as comfortable as Alpha Cat or as uh, Articulate. I'm just throwing names out there. People are like, stop, just stop. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I love the idea of going back into spiked shoes because uh, slippage is always a concern when you're out there, especially in the mornings. Uh, so Spike's been a big benefit. And I played 36 the other day. I didn't walk, but uh, absolutely no foot fatigue after 36 holes, which is phenomenal. I think finding, I mean, but finding a good golf shoe that, that works is all like finding a golf ball that works. Yeah. Well, I, 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 need I, I really one, do. Right? Be, well, I really do believe that. I mean, that's why as I found something that works, I, I used to always be so like, what's the new thing? What's the new thing? What's the new thing? Like, well, if I find, you know, something that works really well in a couple different styles that'll go with everything and it's comfortable in my foot and I can carry in it, I can ride, I can do whatever, then why not load up on a few of them? Because I, if I enjoy them, it doesn't matter, you know? And, and a lot of them, you know, for me with Nike, they, they do a lot of stuff that speaks to my personality and maybe that's my age. And I know a lot of people hate on Nike now, but some fun stuff. I like fun. And, and, and I've been inevitably in a year that'll change and I'll shift direction <laughs> somewhere else. I mean, it just will. I was looking, uh, my pro shop has got, they've got G fours and I've never tried on a pair of G fours before. And I, and I mean, they're really, really comfortable, but like, do I want to go to that style of shoe? Yeah. You know, it's, so or, it's, but it's fun to yeah. try different things. Yeah. But so our, our good buddy, Andy just bought a pair of G fours and for whatever reason, that like saddle style shoe doesn't work old hockey injuries, busted up toes. Uh, it, it feels like someone's putting my foot into I, a place. So I, I love the way they look. I don't yeah. care for the way they fit on me. That's and that's the where hard I'm part, at. right? Yep. So I went to the golf store the other day and I tried a whole bunch of shoes on it. And I'm so glad that I'm a, I'm like all in on articulate because here's the way I work. If I buy one, I'm probably going to buy three or four. Uh, <laughs> I get that. <laughs> and I say three or four because I'm talking about shoes. If it's a shirt, like just open the closet up right now because <laughs> it's all coming in. <laughs> uh, but I, I love the idea of loyalty. I love the idea of, of finding something that works and just trusting it. And, uh, you know, I, I just want more consistency. If, if you're going to be the same brand, if you're going to be the same concept, just make all your shoes fit the same. Like, I, I don't know why we can't do that, but I, I mean, I it's, don't the, understand it, it. it's the same in all golf apparel, right? Yeah. I mean, there's that there, we we're seeing it and some are getting better about it. I mean, foot joy now has two distinct cuts of their shirts, mm -hmm. but for a while there, it's a crapshoot of what you're going to get. Like you have to go try it on. And, and in today's era, like it or not, I don't like going to the golf store amongst all the people whenever I can do most of my shopping, you know, at home on budget or wherever else. Right. And, and, and picking up things. But whenever I get a shirt from a brand one year and then the next year, the cut is completely different and they've not said anything about that. Um, that's frustrating. It's, it's that way in everything. Yeah. Well, it happens. I do want to talk before we go about uh, our boy, Ricky Fowler. Ah, uh, L L orange. What, what do you call that in Spanish? I don't even know what that is. I, I'm not going to mess it up. Damn it. I have no idea. I don't run hotto. <laughs> you think I make? Let me go ask my that up. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I think you're right. Actually, I think in French it's just orange. <laughs> I am right. Look. Anyways, at that. yo. So Ricky, from the depths of a wonderful marriage, I'm assuming BDR uh, <laughs> comes out. And has put on a display of potential this year. That's what I'm going to call it. A, a display of potential for some time now. 
the the guy goes out and and shoots low round at him the major and uh, the U.S. Open can't close it out, which you know it happens. And it's like, all right, do we lose? Do we lose, Rick? Is he is wasn't he... <clears throat> wasn't that fascinating though? Like we we watched Ricky literally lose everything in his game. Yeah, like. I mean, not making majors whenever previous years, what was, I can't remember what year it was where he finished second in every major. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and people, Is that yeah, the th- I think so. And, and was just always, I think Ricky's always been more consistent than people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. And I know the whole closed on Sunday thing and everything else that goes with that. But I mean, he had one and, and to get where he was, I I was one when we were when we had our live threads, which were always crazy in the majors on THP going. I was I was one that after the fact, after that Sunday round, whenever he played like that, I, I was actually taking more positive than most people from it. Because and he even said it in his interview afterwards. He's like, This is this is nothing compared to where I was. And yeah. that in in that moment for me shows like there's there's now maybe there's a level of tenacity that wasn't always there. And I think we saw it this last weekend. For, yeah, him to have, for him to have to birdie 18 to get into the playoff, to hit a poor tee shot on 18 before the playoff and after the tee, and after the playoff or in the playoff, and to to hit those shots that he did into it, it with good players in the playoff, like it was cold blooded and it was it was calm and you watch his demeanor and that was the thing on on Sunday like when the major in the U.S. Open like he never lost his crap. Like he just, you could tell like internally, he just knew this is going to be a grind and it's either going to go one way or the other. And it went the other. And so I think the one thing that's always been interesting about Ricky is he's been a very level headed player. And even when he was playing good, it wasn't like he was shooting course records to win. It was a very balanced golf. And, and I think, I, I feel like we've had the conversation on the pod before that some guys just have that next level. Like tiger has a next level, like no one's business that mm-hmm. he can put it into that upper gear. Whereas I think a guy like Rick is he's, he's understated because he doesn't go to that next gear. He just plays flat and consistent. And and that's like that close on Sundays thing. Like if you shoot a 71 on a Sunday, it's you know, you didn't get it done or in reality, he shoots 68, 69, 67, 70. That's pretty balanced, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like he got a bit of a bad rap. Although I'll admit there were a couple ones that he he missed out on. But oh yeah, one of the things I want to talk about is I was so satisfied to see the level of reaction that others had for him that were either in his craft, so in golf, or in other sports. Oh. Like the amount of people who got behind him, I, I'm I'm tempted to say that a Ricky Fowler win was almost more satisfying this year than a Tiger Woods win. I mean, there's so many parts to it. Like the image of him after that putt went in the playoff before his caddy tackled him. I mean, you've seen the picture where he rests and he kind of looks to the sky. Like that 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 said it all like that that's a that's a crazy crazy cool moment that the PGA Tour screwed up and didn't have televised but <laughs> like what a what a moment and what a thing and and for Ricky to be back in that element's great for golf yeah. it just is because you you saw the reactions from people across on Twitter and like Ricky 
Ricky goes beyond golf and give, he took a lot of crap for all his commercials for all those years, all the other things when he wasn't winning majors and everybody thought he was going to, but the one thing that's always been true. And I can say that living in Stillwater and having been around him a little bit in whether THP facet or, you know, meeting him in town, like he is who you think he is. Like he's that guy. And to me, he's the guy that took it truest to heart with like Arnie. Like even when he signs the autographs, his autographs are legible. Like Ricky, Ricky is, he's not fake. Like that, that's why it was so satisfying for me to see him do this again. And maybe this is it. Maybe he doesn't go any further than this. Maybe he's just consistent the rest of the way, but I'm okay with that because it's a lot better than watching him where he was. That was painful for somebody that's so good for golf. Yeah. And so balanced, even keeled all the way through. Dude, I'm going to have a hard time not rooting for him in every tournament he plays in well. Anytime I see his name on a Sunday now, it's going to be like, yeah. Yeah, let's go, Rick. Let's do it again. Uh, and I love that. I, I think it's great to see what he's done. Uh, I would imagine my praise is going to be a little bit lost in the weeds by comparison, but uh, I'm thrilled having watched for so many years him not quite get there again to to be back up uh, at the top of his game. And I'm thrilled. I love it. I love it for golf, man. It's cool. Well, I love it for the Ryder Cup because in in team competitions, Ricky's a killer. And that's interesting because someone said, like, does this make him more valuable viable for the Ryder Cup? No, and he's I'm like, in. Even, even without that win, he was already viable. Yep. He was playing great. The idea yep. that he wasn't already primed for a position is kind of crazy to me. Yeah, not I to mention he loves it. Yeah. He will be in the moment. He will be present for his team. He'll be a good team player. I mean, he he is going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah. hell yeah. <laughs> Unlike uh, the, and I'm going to take a shot, uh, Sergio, who just missed the cut at the Open Championship. Uh, maybe he'll make the Ryder Cup team too, and they can play each other. And Ricky can bury him. So heartbroken he didn't qualify. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's tough. Hey, I had a fun chat today, buddy. I always appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was Can a good I take one. one final shot? Sure. And say that uh, Travis Kelsey, if you come on my <laughs> golf course wearing that nonsense that you wore at the match, I will tell you to change or purchase something from our pro shop because it doesn't suit our dress code policy. And it's you right look- after it's right after I praise Nike shoes, and I'm pretty sure that that crap he was wearing was Nike. <laughs> you look insane, my guy. You look absolutely insane. I don't know who dressed you. I don't know if you lost a bet. Um, <laughs> and, and honest to God. I I cannot believe like I feel like Nike just wants to make golf shoes. This is such a harsh criticism. I feel like over the last five years they've done everything they can make to it as stop ugly as possible golf apparel and just make <laughs> golf shoes, but people keep buying it. Like, I, why are you trying so hard? You're one of the biggest manufacturers. How I don't you think you're using, wrong. How are you not using better materials? How are you not like? creating anything that looks good i don't get it <laughs> anyways that's super harsh whatever it's fine uh james do you have any questions for me today i do not man that's it that's all that's it <laughs> all right hey if you guys are out there i hope you had a, had a fun time listening to us banter around we'll have a, a conversation up on the thp forums as soon as this goes live so that you can come and and talk about our bad takes on golf balls and golf shoes and uh ricky fowler <laughs> and Travis Kelsey. I don't know. I, I hate him. No, I don't hate him. <laughs> I, I, I hate those shorts. I hate those shorts. Uh, either way, come come have some fun with us on there. 
Uh, and if you are playing golf this weekend, have a great time. If you find a Pro V1X, I hope it fits you better than it does me because I love those golf balls. <laughs> we'll see you next week. THP Radio on the Hackers Paradise Podcast Network. Your number one source for all things golf. Subscribe on iTunes to never miss an episode.